0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to h 2 omics the podcast that gives you insight into the world of smart irrigation and sustainability. I'm Julia Teske, your host, and today we have a guest who is a true advocate for a sustainable future. He's a lead green associate, well-certified, and a graduate of the sustainability program at UCLA Extension. Jeff is currently a technical sales rep with CalSense, and we will get to hear more about his journey in this episode. Jeff, it's so great to have you with us.
1: Thank you, Julia. I'm truly excited to be here today.
0: To kick things off, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and what has really inspired your passion for sustainability
1: and water conservation? Great questions right off the bat here. For me, finding Calsense has honestly been a journey. It started while I was working as a photographer and honestly kind of wondering who I was. Why was I moving market share for luxury brands? Why was I going to bat for lip injections? All these different things that are are fine. I'm happy to let anyone live the life that they want, but it didn't make sense to me. And that started a, a series of questions that led me to UCLA as a starting point, but it also involved watching as many TED Talks as I could stomach and going through the process of writing down things that I responded very strongly to. This was truly a journey of self-discovery to understand what drove me in an effort to make myself happier. It's as simple as that. And the interesting part for me was that I discovered that everything that I cared about was under this umbrella called sustainability that I really truly had not paid any real attention to up until that point. And this includes all the environmental issues. This includes, you know, social welfare and the unhoused and a million other issues that are near and dear to many people. But I just had never heard of it before, and so it was an entry point. And starting the UCLA program was a great way to get me up to speed on a number of different pathways that I could take in the sustainability world, and it was a way to help me figure out where to point myself. The beautiful thing about this was it just kept introducing me to more inspiring people working on projects that were incredible. And organizations that were interconnected and helping each other and mobilizing in ways that I've never seen before on any subject. And at the end of that, I kind of looked around and I was volunteering myself to death. I had found the Climate Reality Project along the way. Uh, I got heavily involved in what they're doing in Los Angeles. I got elected co chair of the largest chapter in the world at the time. That's the LA chapter. I also served in community engagement capacities as well as the Climate Business Working Group, and I really was a big driver in the Lacey project. And if you're unfamiliar with Lacey, that is the Los Angeles Clean Tech Incubator led by Matt Peterson, the CEO and president, who invited us to be involved with their Founders Business Accelerator program, which, in very simple terms, is aimed at founders who are committed to social equity and environmental sustainability, providing them with the tools, knowledge, and resources to expand their businesses and their reach. We worked with around 90 startups and small businesses and really were able to help people incorporate sustainable business practices early in the life of their business, which can have the greatest impact. And so, to to wrap this up, Calsense appeared kind of out of nowhere as I was looking around trying to find some way to get paid for what I was doing all day, every day for nothing. And I was so happy to find an organization that shared my values on the environmental side of things and water conservation specifically. And most importantly to me at the time, it gave me an avenue. It gave me a place to engage and really spend my career on these most incredibly important subjects. And water is, is the most important resource to me. And I can't think of a single reason why we shouldn't do everything we possibly can to maximize our use of it.
0: That was so inspiring because I think so many people, it takes them such a long time throughout their career to get to that point. Some people never get there, right? And so to be Absolutely. where you are now is awesome for someone who's in the a similar position of wanting to work every day towards something that I really
1: care about. Truthfully, it's a position of privilege that many people cannot afford to pursue. A lot of people just have to keep the lights on and make sure the money is coming in in whatever way possible, so if you have the ability to line up the things that you care about most with the thing that you're doing with most of the hours of your day, it's truly a magical experience and the inspiration that I get from doing this work day to day will relight my fire forever i don't I don't ever imagine a time where I get tired of helping cities, schools, and parks get the most out of the water that they have, and make the communities beautiful that we live in.
0: Absolutely. Well, you wear a lot of hats. It sounds like you always have. How do your roles within CalSense and your volunteer work intersect and
1: all contribute to a more sustainable future? That's fair. I've definitely worn a lot of hats. I've also described my life as a series of obsessions. And the sustainability obsession, I would say, grows every day and continues to deepen my connection to all the different things that I do in my world. And I am deeply involved with different conservation and environmental activism groups, including specifically Climate Reality Project, the U.S. Green Building Council. And for a while, I was doing some work with Net Impact. I haven't had a whole lot of time to do that more recently. but. In a way, everything I do is now touched by sustainability as I take, you know, fun side projects in photography or media production. That is what I used to do. I want those now to be focused at the right things. I now want to create media and tell stories that can change our world. And CalSense gives me the opportunity to bring that to my workday. And so, I now have the opportunity to do this 24-7 and really just pour my my efforts and enthusiasm into making a difference in any small way that I can. That's my favorite thing about working here.
0: Now, this is just for my curiosity, because I think people might find it interesting. How did you first find out or hear about
1: climate reality? So, I heard about Climate reality. While well, I was taking a class with Nareed Katz, who was the chief sustainability officer for UCLA, and she taught the first class in the program, and she introduced it to me as part of an assignment that I had to write a review for a documentary. And it was a list of, I think, 25, and all of them are good. I've seen most of them at this point because I just worked from there after that. But on that day, I chose an inconvenient sequel. And that is the second movie from former vice president Al Gore to get the word out on what he was doing with his efforts in the climate fight. And I watched that documentary and it broke my brain. And I mean that in the best possible way, because I suddenly realized that things were happening around me that I was either purposely or maybe even out of fear avoiding. And I watched that first when I sat there. I I probably had tears in my eyes, and I was just like, well, now what do I do? Now that it lives in my head, and I can't make it go away again, I have to deal with it. So my first response was watching the movie two more times. Um, and I had to write an essay, and I'd forgotten that I had to write an essay, so that's why the third uh, watch came around. I took some great notes, and and then I realized that the entire movie was really just an ad campaign to get people to sign up to volunteer for the climate reality project. So I did. And turns out it was the best possible time I could do that. We were having a Los Angeles training. This was 2018. And at the time it was the largest in-person training that ever happened. When I called uh, to apply, they said that they were full and that they couldn't possibly accept anybody else. I've been in sales for a number of years and I've learned that a certain amount of applied positive attitude, it can get you wherever you want to go. So I sent them polite, urgent emails until they agreed that I needed to be in this training. I believe it took four, um, which is probably lower than my average. but you know, I'll accept it. I was extremely excited to get into this program. And when I walked in the door, for the first time I felt like I was in the right room talking to the right people about something that mattered. And that is a feeling that is rare in life, in my experience. So I look for that more and more every day.
0: Thank you for sharing that. I think it's so interesting to hear about how people find that path, and sometimes it takes a lot to get there, and sometimes it kind of falls in your lap, so
1: yeah, that's very cool. Everyone has to find their own way in life, and for me, it took a little longer than most.
0: Let's talk a little more about your role at CalSense. What kind of impact have you had in promoting water conservation through smart irrigation technology?
1: Ooh, I love this question. So my goal with basically all of my advocacy work has always been to aim at projects that are larger than myself. I want ideas and solutions that can scale. And because of that, I lean towards working with businesses and government entities. And that's not to say that there's no value in having or convincing somebody to make changes in their life, you know, on a personal basis. But if I can do that for an organization that touches thousands of people, then my impact is just multiplied. And to me, that's time well spent. And it's also a better application of my talent than moving market share for luxury brands. So in addition to that, um, CalSense specifically focuses on working with businesses and government entities. That's exactly where I'm aiming for this. And CalSense's position in the industry as a market leader has given me a platform to reach more people. Among other opportunities, I was able to present at the American Public Works Association Conference, Green California Schools and Education Summit, the Landscape Expo in Anaheim. I even got to go to D.C. for the Irrigation Association fly-in and talk to our elected officials about a variety of different issues that are affecting the irrigation world. So to me, this is just a natural extension of what I was already doing. And I'm proud to have found an organization that is happy to support me in these efforts, is not asking me to do them in my free time on nights and weekends, and is in fact encouraging me to do this all day. I I don't know how I got this looking.
0: I think what you said about education is really important because when you're able to do those events in person, it really helps to tie in the community that we have. You mentioned the DC Fly-In with the Irrigation Association. That is an awesome organization that always helps me kind of bring it all back together um, with whether it's suppliers, distributors or contractors.
1: I was pleasantly surprised everybody involved was putting their own interests aside for the best interests of the organization and the community called the irrigation world. And that's all you can ask for somebody like that. So they do a great job.
0: I've worked with you for a couple years now, and I happen to know that your background includes being a Savalier and you already mentioned that you have been a professional photographer in the past as well. What experiences or lessons have influenced your now current work?
1: I would say that my entire journey to get here was necessary for me to be who I am here today and I've learned something different from all the different things that I've done in my life. I've also written nine screenplays and sold a few that never got made. So I'm an unofficial writer in that capacity. But all of those things will teach you different things about life. And quick example, being in the wine business teaches you the importance of soil, irrigation and growing conditions. And they all influence what you taste at dinner and how it goes with the dishes that were prepared. But learning more about how people grow all the different types of plants is an extension of that knowledge to me and a whole lot of fun to learn about. So that's just fun stuff that I get to do as I'm walking a park and talking to customers. So photography teaches you to watch for the right moment. It also teaches you to work a room and to be aware of all the emotions taking place and the different events that are happening because, I mean, this is patience, right? This is this is certainly true when covering events, but it's also just a fundamental part of capturing an image. You have to decide when to do that. That's the That's the act of photography. And I learned how to get out of the way of myself and my customers and all the other kind of stuff. And just working with different conflicting goals, schedules, and budgets constantly just kept me on my toes and forced me to to roll with the punches and learn to execute whatever goal was in front of me. So it's wine, it's photography. I mean, you had movies in there. And the best thing about all of this from a sales perspective is I can find something in common with almost anybody. Because people are into drinking and visual arts and watching movies. And so it's always a great thing to to build rapport and to maybe get past some initial reluctance to, to talk to a new person. So all of those things influence what I do. As far as how does that make things sustainable, I am now, my default is acting sustainable or at least attempting to in every way that I can. So all of my experiences just continue to support that.
0: That's the perfect description of having lessons learned or past experiences and how they all kind of piggyback off of each other into what you're doing now and what you will do in the future.
1: Which, ironically, also kind of lines up with the whole everything works as one system concept. So we're right back in sustainability. Yes. CalSense
0: is all about innovation and applying that to our solutions. What can you tell me about the innovative solutions and technology that CalSense brings to the table for businesses and communities making water use more effective?
1: I mean, that's a big topic that we could talk about in a variety of ways, but the thing that I want to key in here is that one of my favorite things about CalSense and one of the big things that got me excited about working here, which is the new offering from us called Irrigation Management as a Service, also known as IMAS. And Part of the reason is that I love the services that I already use. I mentioned that I came from the film business. Well, everybody in that business pays however much money per month to have access to whatever tools they need from a variety of different producers. So that's my connection to the the world of as-a-service offerings. So the interesting thing that I discovered in going around and talking to all of our customers and, and new prospects is that they're all dealing with similar problems. and. The big one that I see more than anything right now is our customers are dealing with a labor shortage. They don't have the people they need to hit the goals that they have. And they also have, you know, economic limitations. Uh, There are only enough capital budget dollars to go around for certain projects every year. So they have to make small changes. And all of these people are being asked to meet the water demands and often restrictions of today. But they're trying to do that with technology from decades ago. And so to introduce a smart controller that's weather based and is also able to be installed and programmed by the very people who made it is such a massive advantage for a small city that's trying to figure out how they're going to buy one controller a year and fix the problem that they have. Now, IMAS gives communities the chance to get everything they need up front. They get to work with the company who made the equipment and get involved with the programming. And then on top of that, they get to spread the cost over 10 years. That checks all of the boxes of the problems that they're dealing with. And it provides a financial alternative that is not right for everybody. But when it lines up with what people need, it's a fantastic opportunity. And we were the first to bring it to market in the irrigation business. And we got even got an award from the Irrigation Association for it.
0: While we're still talking about CalSense, I was hoping you could share a memorable project or a success story that you've been a part of during your time with us.
1: Ooh, there are many fun things that I could talk about here, but it would be best for me to leave names out of this for a variety of reasons. But I will say that we are finishing up a large IMS opportunity with a prominent university here in Southern California that people would be very familiar with. And they have also been a longtime customer. So they embraced this new offering. They saw it as an immediate uh, help to to help with a transition after a retirement to help everybody get set up with what they needed. The system just worked. It's exactly what they wanted. It is in the middle of the uh, final stages of installation and programming right now. And it was just a beautiful example of, of how this offering can really solve a lot of problems for our customers.
0: So speaking of Southern California, I know you are currently based there. And California is often at the forefront of water conservation efforts due to its climate and population. Do you think California can be a leader to the nation in these efforts?
1: I absolutely do. And I'm actually going to go one step farther and say, California has to be the leader in these issues. And for many sustainability and conservation issues, California is where new things get tried out. So for example, we were one of the first states to embrace the whole solar approach to, you know, powering our houses. And when California is successful in an endeavor like this, everyone tries to work very hard to minimize it so that they don't actually have to follow our lead. But when we fail, they beat everyone over the head with it. So if we were to introduce a sustainable project, and have it completely fail, everybody in other states that are specifically trying not to do these things says, see, even California can't do it. So it's not that we have an opportunity to lead, it's that we have a mandate to lead. And not just the environmental organizations and the different people that are involved in pushing and pulling all the different things that are happening to try to deal with what's going on in this world, but also just because this is where the power of industry. And be coming from. California was gold rush and, you know, it's also Silicon Valley and it's also Hollywood and it's also the the center of the world of sustainability. Now, there are certainly people that would argue with me on that in other parts of the country and world, but it's pretty hard to argue that the sustainability world is really having a moment in Southern California uh, specifically, but, but Northern California as well. So the whole state is leading the way it needs to lead the way. And if it doesn't, I don't know who else does.
0: California has definitely led, especially by example, um, when it comes to sustainability. And in the last couple of years, I've done a lot more traveling. And it's been so interesting to learn about different regions, water needs and challenges, and start to see some of these similarities of Uh, infrastructure or ideas that places have taken away from California.
1: Absolutely. And I had the wonderful experience of growing up in Michigan, which is surrounded by beautiful fresh water. And so to be able to travel around to visit other reps and, you know, to see the different gardens and various projects that are happening all over the country is, is nothing but inspiring. And at the end of it, It's really encouraging to just see so many different people from completely different backgrounds, demographics, and walks of life leaning into this because we know that we have to. So that part is truly incredible. And, And traveling around a little bit and seeing it just takes it up a notch.
0: What advice would you offer to our listeners who are interested in pursuing a career or making a difference
1: in environmental issues? I think about this a lot. Because for a while, it was my elected volunteer position to inspire others to change and to get involved and to do more. And so what I often say to people is only you can decide what you want to do and nobody can light your own fire for you. Because half of what I have done in the volunteer world is getting up early and going to stand somewhere and talk to people about things that are really important to me. And if I don't have my own engine to get me up at 5.30 to go to that conversation, it's never going to happen. I can't give that to you. You have to build it for yourself. You have to find something that will get you up early in the morning and get you out there and do the thing that matters to you, something that truly drives you. You must light your own fire because nobody can do that for you. So my real advice, move. There's more than enough evidence to prove that no matter what you wanna do, we need it. And if you can go after something that's bigger than yourself and that can scale, that to me is a better use of everyone's time as it's a multiplier. Now, if you're in Southern California, you have the advantage of having a crazy number of programs, groups, organizations, nonprofits, benefit corporations that are actively pursuing these issues and give you an opportunity to go volunteer or shadow and see what they actually do and then respond in the way that's appropriate to you. So when you watch what they're doing, if you feel that fire, pay attention. Take the first step and act like our world depends on it because it does. Water is worth fighting for. And if you haven't figured it out by now, I certainly consider it worth my time and talent. I love it.
0: I couldn't possibly add anything else to that. Thank you so much, Jeff, for sharing your stories and experiences with us today. Uh, It's clear that you have made and continue to make such a significant impact in the realm of sustainability, water conservation, and beyond just when it comes to the environment. Um, I feel so lucky to work with you and that we get to share our goals and passions as we, you know, work towards something bigger than ourselves.
1: Thank you, Julia. I, I totally agree. And you hit it right on the head. We are lucky. I've never seen an organization that's that's firing on all of its cylinders like this, where everyone is walking in step with the same values. It is truly something incredible. And I hope that you all can find your own version of it.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the H2Omics podcast. If you'd like to listen to our earlier episodes, visit calsensecom slash podcast or search for H2Omics on your favorite podcast platform. See you next time.